0: Cool fact! A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Alison Balance, here on Our Changing World on RNZ National, and now marine sponges and climate change. The world's oceans are getting a double whammy from climate change. Global warming is making sea temperatures rise, while increasing levels of carbon dioxide are causing ocean acidification. Most research carried out to date looks at the impact of either one or the other of these on marine creatures. James Bell and PhD student Holly Bennett from Victoria University of Wellington have been using an advanced research facility at the Australian Institute of Marine Sciences to study the impact of both warming and acidification on marine sponges from the Great
1: Barrier Reef. We're interested in the effects of uh, environmental degradation on marine environments, particularly on, uh, on sponges. And obviously with uh, the things that are going on globally and, and concerns for the future, ocean acidification and ocean warming are, are two of the major threats to, to sponges and to marine environments generally.
0: So warming waters, what evidence have we seen so far about what warming waters does to marine organisms? Um,
1: I guess probably some of the, the, the best examples recently is the, uh, the impacts of increased temperature that we've been seeing on the, the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so there have been been a period of ocean warming this year primarily attributed to uh, to the El Nino effect which is a, a, a large change in weather patterns which increases the, the sea surface temperature uh, and that's resulted in a, a massive what we call bleaching event across the Great Barrier Reef where we've seen very high level of corals that have uh, bleached so they've lost their photosynthetic algae that live within their tissues which is generally considered to, to be pretty negative for corals as they rely on that for nutrition. So pretty much warm water is bad news? Yeah, warm water is is typically bad news for most organisms. Most organisms are are living within a a certain thermal tolerance range um, with regards to temperature, so increases in temperature often take them past that thermal tolerance level, and that's particularly the case in tropical environments because the environment is generally warmer.
0: Now, the f- other aspect of global warming is obviously ocean acidification, so rising CO2, we're getting a more acidic ocean. Yeah. What I've heard to date is that the impact on marine organisms seems to be a bit of a winners and losers situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely the case, and there are a number of reasons for that. So so a lot of organisms that are photosynthetic, things like algae, are, are expected to be potentially winners because there'll be more carbon dioxide, which they use for photosynthesis in the water. Other things as a result of the increasing acidity actually are going to be negatively influenced particularly things that rely on calcium carbonate because the availability of calcium carbonate in the oceans is expected to decrease.
0: But now obviously it's a case of it's not just warmer water or more acidic water you've actually got these two things happening in tandem and you're looking at that in regard to what a few species of sponges?
1: Yeah, so so there has been, I guess, mainly because of the availability of resources and the availability of suitable experimental systems to investigate the two things of ocean warming and ocean acidification at the same time. But most of the the past research until the last few years has focused on one of those two things. But everybody knows that those two things are coming at the same time, um, and there have been a number of advances in terms of experimental systems that are available, and particularly the one that we've been using for some of our work in the, uh, which is the the, the CC simulator at the Australian Institute of Marine Sciences in collaboration with Dr Nicole Webster where we we are able to accurately control the combined effects of ocean acidification and, and temperature so we can look at these things simultaneously rather than look at them individually. There's also a lot of evidence from not just studies on ocean acidification and ocean warming, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that having combinations of stresses on organisms have different impacts than what one of those individual stresses has on the organism. So these kind of multifactorial experiments where we can look at many things at the same time and how they influence organisms are becoming increasingly possible.
0: Now tell me about the sponges you've been looking at, because they've got an interesting feature that I'd never heard of.
1: I guess sponges aren't a group that people may be particularly familiar with, but they are very widespread across the world, particularly abundant in tropical environments, but we also have something like 800-odd species in New Zealand, uh, many of which have not even been described yet. Um, so sponges are, are, are well-known what we call um, filter feeders or suspension feeders in that they, they feed on particles that are floating around in the, in the water column. But one of their other interesting features is that they contain a, a range of symbiotic organisms, lots of different bacteria, particularly cyanobacteria, which are also photosynthetic. Um, And there's a lot of interest in the, or has been a lot of interest from the the biomedical industry because people think that these these microbes actually produce compounds that may be useful to humans. Um, And there are a number of examples where, where they do appear to do this. So
0: you bring the sponges into the lab and then you can tweak both the the water acidity and the temperature?
1: Yes, the sponges are, are removed from the Great Barrier Reef and then brought into this um, fantastic aquarium system where we can have very fine control over the, um, the, the temperature and, and pH and we can expose our sponges to different temperatures and pH that mimic conditions that we expect to see in the next 100 years or so.
0: So we already know with corals that if the water gets warmed, those symbiotic algae basically... Leave That's not good news for the coral. What happens with these symbiotic cyanobacteria and the sponges?
1: So uh, we found that that really high temperatures, so some of the worst-case scenarios for climate change, are probably just going to be just as as bad for sponges as what they are for corals. But some of the interesting effects come when we look at the the not-so-extreme and probably the more likely scenarios that are predicted for the next 100 years or so. And we find that these sponges with cyanobacteria um, are certainly impacted by the increased temperature. Um, but one of the interesting things that we found is that as we increase the temperature at the same time as decreasing the pH, we find that the negative temperature effect is not so bad for organisms that are exposed to increased or higher pH. There seems to be some nullifying effect, if you like, of the increased temperature um, by being in a, a, a high um, CO2 environment.
0: OK, so in a slightly more acidic Environment, they're somehow a little more resilient.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're saying. We're we're, we're saying that the, or we're finding at the, the very extremes of climate change impacts, we expect sponges to be really quite negatively impacted. But it seems to be the temperature that does the damage. Um, overall, uh, our results have really shown that there there isn't a, a particularly negative impact at all of ocean acidification on sponges, and, and in fact, when they're in environments where the the environment is more acidified, temperature has less of a, a negative effect on them. There not ubiquitous across all sponges. That feature seems to be more associated with the sponges that have got these cyanobacteria inside them. So not all sponges have those cyanobacteria.
0: So some sponges might be winners.
1: Yeah, so some sponges might be winners unless it gets really, really hot and then none of them may be winners, I guess.
0: Is there a difference between different life stages of the sponges? Are little sponges more or less resilient than big sponges? Yeah,
1: one of the other interesting things that Holly's found is that there is quite major differences between the responses between the adult sponges and larval sponges and juvenile sponges. And we've investigated the, the full life cycle to give us an indication of, you know, h- how, how ocean warming and ocean acidification influences sponges throughout its life cycle, and rather than what lots of previous studies have done, which is just look at one aspect. Um, and this has meant that we've been able to, to figure out, you know, how, how it's influenced all, all the way around its life. And what we've actually found, quite surprisingly, is that those larval stages and younger stages seem less affected than the adults and particularly, again, increased pH doesn't doesn't have any effect really on those larvae or juveniles at all, and they're more tolerant to temperature effects as well than what the adults are.
0: And that's different from other kinds of species that yeah, have been looked at? Yeah, t-
1: typically we think of larvae as being much more vulnerable than adult stages. They tend to be more kind of bathed in the seawater, um, more exposed, um, and, and generally more sensitive than, than adults. And, and yes, yeah, so that's quite an, an unusual finding, that these sponge larvae seem to be more tolerant than what we find for other things. So what does all this mean for the future? Myself and some of my colleagues have an idea that obviously across the world there are major changes going on 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 coral reef environments and that there may be winners and losers. And on some reefs in the future we may find that there are uh, reefs that are much more dominated by, by sponges. And really what, um, what our bigger picture research is trying to understand is what these future reefs might look like and, and how they'll function. Um, so we know reefs are changing, but we want to find out things like whether or not a reef that's got more sponges or is more dominated by sponges provides the same resources to humans as what current reefs do. Um, it's unlikely they'll, they'll be exactly the same, but we're trying to figure out you know, what, what, it, what reefs will be like and how they will work in another you know, 100 years' time or so.
0: So it might be that in future the Great Barrier Reef is the world's largest sponge
1: reef? Yeah, I probably wouldn't go that far and I, I suspect I might upset a few coral people if I was to say that but I, I think there is certainly evidence that sponges may be one of these, these so-called winners. There are also other winners that, that may get there and, and be a bigger part of the reefs than, than sponges but many sponges look like they, they may be hanging around maybe after at least some of the corals have, have gone. Thanks to James Bell from Victoria University of Wellington. That's all for now.
0: But you can stay in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're RNZ Science. Ki Worumai. Botox Cosmetic, botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.